Katie Stevens has followed her lifelong dream and love as a child to work with horses and today manages Bath Racecourse. But it wasn't all handed to her on a plate. She's worked in stables by day while finishing her education by night, puts herself through university just to earn her place on a postgraduate course and is even convinced her second baby was breech because she didn't slow down. I met up with her in a cafe near Bath one morning where she talked me through the love of her life and how she manages to fit it all in around motherhood. She shared some of her earliest memories. My parents tell me that when we lived in the Midlands, we used to go to the sort of riverbanks and there used to be horses in the fields and I sort of used to play amongst the bluebells and sort of go and run back and forward to the fence stroking the horses and things. And I think then we used to go on a sort of annual trip to uh, Tembe in uh, West Wales and my parents said I just used to love riding the on the sort of penny slot machines that you put the you know the money in to sort of have a go on the horse so yeah it starts from an early age my mum always wanted me to be a dancer I think they always thought it would be a phase it never really ended and whilst a lot of my friends also rode once they got teenagers they sort of dropped the whole horse thing and but I sort of carried on and I've been lucky to sort of make it my career really I didn't want to stay on and do a levels in the usual conventional way and I went to work in a yard mucked out and rode because that's all I wanted to do when I was 16 I sort of worked for a really wealthy family I moved away to Oxford it was a lovely massive house with lovely stable yard and I got this sort of life I suppose I just was subjected to their like way of life and I just thought and then somebody said to me one day, you know, if, if you ever want to have your own horses, the best idea is not to work with them. You know, if you want your own, work out of it and you'll earn more money sort of. A, so, oh, do you know what? I think there's an element of truth in that. So whilst I lived in and worked long hours in a stable yard, I went and did two A-levels at night school in English and kind of just thought, you know, that will serve me well. And if this all goes pear-shaped, I can sort of pick up the whole um, studying thing again and and then and then one day I just I came home in the summer and I was sat watching some major flat meeting that was on telly there was a lineup of these students that were all thrilled with the opportunity that they were given to sort of go on a graduate course I just thought oh, I'd love to be on that graduate course I'd already got some sort of qualifications through the NVQs through the sort of um, horse racing training I spoke to them and said well how can I get on this graduate course I, I need to get on this course because it's clearly the key to the door with getting some good horse racing jobs and they said oh there's no short way around it you'll have to go to university and get a degree so it was really bizarre I thought right well if I knuckle down and work really hard and was away from home for a year and I think I spent my student loan on training my point to pointer so I could ride in races and things so and then when I did apply for the graduate course it got to the sort of that year and I thought oh my god you know I've, I've actually gone to university to just get on this course and about over 250 people apply and there's about 18 places so I was quite pleased when I did manage to get on the course after three years of graph. What's it like working in a typically male world? Since I graduated in 99 I've worked in horse racing so I've seen a lot of changes and I've also seen lots of really successful females sort of come into the sport in various roles and responsibilities and um, I think you have to work that much harder as a female I mean racing for years has always been portrayed as probably a male dominated sport in many ways really there are some very good strong female in the industry now and whilst I'm biased because I am one there's a lot of people 
well above the sort of positions I've got that you, know, you aspire to and think, oh, they're doing, a really, they're doing something really good. From the early age, I've always had ponies and ridden ponies, but I always had just a complete infatuation with horse racing. I used to save newspaper cutouts of the Grand National and, and sort of big meetings, and I've got a really photographic memory on colours, and I sort of started, I used to love sort of looking at the silks and started remembering races by the silk. Just always used to love horse racing and thoroughbred racehorse particularly. I worked in yards as I had done from 16 and then my parents bought me a point-to-pointer quite cheaply really. It wasn't that we had much money, it was just that I had an association with this horse and the owners were looking to sort of finish with him and so I bought him and trained him, rode him, owned him. It was all really good fun to be honest. I've gone on to sort of, we've bred horses, my husband is he was a jockey, he's now retired, but we've bred horses and I've also trained racehorses myself on a permit. Having now been married for seven years, I know that the one thing we argue about the most is horses. So it's strange really that, you know, we can't sort of live, we wouldn't be able to live or conduct our lives without them. It's the biggest thing that we have in common, yet it's probably the major thing that we disagree on a lot of the time, but that's healthy, isn't it? Before I even had my own pony, I was still just doing sort of the riding lesson and I so wanted more. We never had our own sort of land or stables at that point and, you know, I used to cycle to the stables and in the morning and I had a pony that used to get a condition called laminitis, which if it had too much grass, it was it could affect it. So we used to have to go and get it in and my dad would put it out, but, you know, I he was only allowed four hours of grazing a day and I just remember lots of graft and I used to have friends that did a lot of shows and things at the weekend and... My mum and dad said, well, they would finance having a horse, but anything, I had to earn some money. All that money I used to have to give to them because they would basically make up the rest. But they, they said, well, you have to learn that you are going to pay for this horse. And I used to chambermaid in a hotel and waitress and deliver the free paper for a penny a paper on a Thursday. And, you know, sort of, and I used to, you know, net about £33 or something out of... And it all went to my mum and dad, and they paid out for that, the shoes and, you know... And if I ever wanted to go to a show, it used to be sort of like a few weeks of sort of saving the extra money or using some savings to do it. But I think if you have... If you really want something and you really desire it, the, the fact that I couldn't have it when I was younger and I had to really prove you know what I wanted um it made me so much more appreciative of it I mean having ridden in races myself I now know what I used to put my parents through when they used to stand that you know because whilst I'm we support Ella and, and Sarah and my youngest you know if she wants to ride I can tell that the whole watching thing is a lot harder than actually doing it you know it's it's a totally different type of fear and worry Lee, my husband, he was relatively lucky, to be honest, overall. He didn't ever have anything major. Um, he had quite a nasty incident one day where he was leading the field of about sort of 15, 16 runners and a horse came across the path of his horse and brought him down on the flat. And then so he just got trampled on by the ensuing field, really. Um, and anybody that knows anything about racing knows that the falls on the flat are often worse because there's a big pack of horses around you not not when they're sort of spread out massively when they're running over obstacles but um yeah that was quite nasty thankfully it was at Ludlow I just remember watching it and thinking oh my god I think he was knocked out before he actually hit the ground so he just lay on the floor the camera angle at the time you could see the other horses coming up the straight and he just didn't move and it those 30 minutes until you sort of hear from somebody to actually know the extent of what's happened is quite nerve-wracking I always just feel privileged that I've managed to sort of have positions that are what essentially are my hobby um that said being a manager of the of a race course you know it's it's not 
it's about plate spinning and it's about sort of not really knowing what's around the corner and the ability to sort of you know you're managing a business at the end of the day it's just that racing is quite sexy it's quite sort of it's a nice sport it's people's leisure it's you know it's the adrenaline thing and that's always great because it sort of makes it more exciting really and tell me about ladies day because it's a bit of a microclimate down at the bath race course isn't it is it particularly chilly when you see everyone all dressed up to the nines and next to nothing yes it is because in actual fact our ladies day you know to date we've always held it quite late in the season really and for any of people that familiar with bath um you know in the height of the summer we still be quite chilly up there so when we have our ladies day which is end of august beginning of september you know and it's an evening meeting so people all arrive sort of with not many layers on and um i always look at them thinking god if i half past eight this evening you're going to be quite chilly (laughs) so uh pashminas and a few of them is what's required for the ladies that come to the races but um it's a really nice fixture and most race courses have ladies events now and they're always a great success and you know it's foolish to not do them really when it gives everybody an excuse and if people can't afford to sort of rock up at Ascot in June you know at Royal Ascot and do that that whole experience you know that other race courses locally have generally got something really good on offer and at some point and have you had to lose many horses along the way you sound like you're someone who can be very disciplined and very sort of matter of fact about things but it must still pull on your heart yeah and, and bizarrely enough I've lost I've, on the racetrack I've lost two horses um, through accidents and both of them were at Utoxeter and um, it's really bizarre how that can happen because you know I, I lost a horse there one May um, and I said I'll never ever run another horse there and as, as, as it happens an opportunity comes up a few years down the line for another horse that we have and we look like we're having to go back to Toxter, and we do and um, yeah and I lost another horse there so it's you know it, it's it's traumatic and going home with an empty box and it's not nice at all as, as it wouldn't wouldn't be but um, it's a yeah it's the fact it's a fact of life it happens and you know it's very very sad and um, thankfully it doesn't happen that often. And how do you juggle life how's the whole work-life balance with two little ones and being a full-time working mum it's really tough it has to be sort of organized with military precision really when we still lived in Herefordshire you know a couple of years and I look back at the time that we were in Hereford when I only had one I think how, how on earth did we manage because my husband was still riding he, that was unsociable hours and we just had a very good childminder and and lots of sort of friends that sort of helped um but it's made slightly easier now by the fact that we are back down in the west country and so my my parents play a big role now that I've got two as well in sort of looking after the children. It's good. It's fantastic in a way, though, because you know when we lived in Hereford, my parents didn't get to see a huge amount of um, Ella, my eldest, because obviously we were that far away. So they're certainly making up for lost time now. And um, I wouldn't really have it any other way because whilst I have to work long hours and stay away for a night, I am then at home, you know, be a mum, really. I think anybody that's had a career before they have children... It's probably one of the hardest transitions to sort of... Some people adapt to it really easily, but I know for me, I wanted to go back to work, and I'm not guilty for saying that because I truly believe that I am a better mum by having that kind of focus as well in, 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 in my job. And it means, to me, I can provide a better life for them. There's a lot less worry involved if I can sort of have my career and do what I think I need to do. 
but it is it's a struggle on a Sunday night you know I look at the week and think right what does Ella need for school who's got to be where what food have I got to get in you know and it's as I say it's military precision is it PE kit is it not is it you know most people can do that the night before but I've got to think about it several days in advance so but yeah I'm very understanding parents a supportive husband and I think it's important to sort of you know strive to be a high achiever and I've seen and done things that you know because of my the way I was ambitious I've had lots of doors open for me and um and I have to say that whilst life's still hectic I've got as far as I want to in terms of I have no ambition to sort of be some chief exec of some company now I've got children I want a work-life balance but I want my children to realize that you know that's fine and that's great and they can see how I've done it and I think you know they need to know about hard work they need to know you know the story of how I got there and dare I say nothing's been handed on a plate to me it's been blood sweat and tears a lot of it but that's a good thing and I hope that they see that my second pregnancy was totally different to my first in actual fact I had very different sort of roles at the time so my I was much more active with my second my second was breach to this day I'm still absolutely convinced that I probably made her breach I, I just was doing much more physical stuff through my second I had an outdoor sort of job more then than a desk job and I was still doing all the horses at home and everything and and I had her actually thankfully successfully turned because when they sort of realized she'd been breached all the way through my midwife said to me well you've got the option you can never have a sort of cesarean book yourself in straight away for a cesarean or we can have a go at turning her and I just thought I really want you to try and turn her because the very thought of having a cesarean having to be off work when you're self-employed you're always thinking those sorts of things if I can't drive if I can't do this I can't do that so I just remember after my first whilst that labor is you know everyone has a different experience but yes very painful and it happens but I still felt relatively normal within two or three days and I I just so wanted that again so a successful cephalic trans whatever they do when they turn them around and successfully meant that I went on to have a natural labour and yeah and I was able to sort of resume proceedings (laughs) and you started by telling me about your own childhood memory and playing in bluebells and you know with horses and then going on in your teenage years delivering pennies for a paper each would you like them to have that graft yeah I think so they'll have so much more than I had because it's my hobby and my my passion and like I said earlier, my parents, whilst now, they absolutely love racing. They just spent three days at Cheltenham last week for the Open meeting, and they're probably the biggest converts ever. But I, I do think that whilst it was really good to have to learn the way I did with my parents, I did used to envy the friends that I had that were able to compete more and get to a higher level in sort of equestrian disciplines because they had parents that were able to ferry them around and they had a horse trailer and they were able to or they had a horse box and they could get them to places and I was sad always quite sad that I wasn't able to do that and if I look back and it was that was because my parents just didn't do it they didn't have the finances to do it or they we just didn't have a car that would tow a trailer or you know anything like that but I I want to be able to think that if if they do want to do it I will give them every chance to sort of be able to compete and because I think I suffered is too strong a word I really genuinely wanted to do it and and as I say I I think I spent a lot of years just trying to prove and persuade my parents that this was not a phase or a fad in my life my eldest she loves football she might not even want to sort of you know pursue anything equestrian but if she does I'm going to sort of you know I will sort of help her and 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 support her because I think that we're, we're good at equestrian things in this country and if she wants to go on and do things like that I should be there to support it we have a lot of horses come through our hands and we then when we breed horses you know often you've got them from sort of 
youngsters and they you know whilst they don't have a massive lifespan you can still sort of follow them and and, and everything's a journey and there's always something to sort of look forward to and you don't ever really step away from that and I think what keeps people young and active they'll still be in our lives and we'll still be doing it and still be wishing that we were breeding the next gold cup winner or something you may get to a point where you think I've done all I want to do now hoping that's a long way off I don't think she'll be stopping any time yet. That was Katie Stevens, a pretty impressive woman, manager of Bath Racecourse, wife to a retired jockey and role model and mother to two little girls. And if you'd like to get in contact with Freelance Bristol Mum, please do drop me a line. It's hello at freelancebristolmum.co.uk.